And I need to hurry up. If you have your Bibles, um, let's go to 1 Samuel 15. Sister Jasmine for a phenomenal praise dance. Come on. Awesome. Teaching Grace and all your moves. Amen. He's going to be ready when he gets older. Amen. But we are excited uh, about what God is doing uh, in this series that we have been teaching on uh, for the beginning of the year. Um, we're teaching on whole life prosperity. And we have, uh, we first dealt with being whole spiritually. And so uh, we're in part three of dealing with being whole mentally and emotionally. Um, those two go hand in hand because our mental state and what we ponder upon, what we think upon, what we meditate upon, and the decisions that we make according to our mental state, it will begin to uh, uh, affect how we respond emotionally. You know, what type of uh, emotion is going to come out? Is it going to be anger? Is it going to be uh, hatred? Is it going to be sadness? Are we going to be happy? Are we going to be joyous? Bitterness, uh, resentment. Those particular things are attached to what we do with our thought process. Um, because the word of God uh, tells us, he says, to bese I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And he says then, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we can no longer conform to the world. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um, we talk about this because... The world is constantly trying to influence our mental capacity. Amen. The world is constantly trying to bring us into a place to conform to its ideas, its ideologies, uh, its particular doctrine, its way of living, its way of thinking. So that particular, uh, uh, the world influence is all around us. And so we have to be conscious and be mindful that we don't become and fall prey to conforming so easily because it's so prevalent. See, anything that's, that, that has a lot of prevalence or it has a lot of, uh, you see a lot of, it's easily to be influenced by that. Mm -hmm. Anything that you give a lot of things, give a lot of time to, or anything that you see a lot of, it's going to influence you in some type of way. Yeah. And so you have to be mindful of how we begin to entertain those worldly suggestions, those worldly ideas, those worldly things that try to come in and bring you to a place to conform against the instructions and the plan and the will of God concerning our life. And when we line up and we begin to understand to do things according to the way uh, that we should walk in the things of God and be obedient, it will begin to help us to maintain our emotional response. It will help us from gaining or, or moving into a place of being bitter and being resentful and being jealous and being envious uh, based on what our mindset and how we think upon things. And so today we're going to talk about a very familiar passage of scripture, a very familiar story, and I, 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 it's... It's easy for me to paraphrase a lot of this, but I keep telling people all the time, I said, it's good for you to hear these scriptures and to read along with it Amen. because it will it, it, give you a better understanding because I want you to be able to maintain and hold on to what you've heard so that your faith can continue to grow and that we can continue to uh, be able to balance out our mental and emotional state because life is happening to us every day. Amen. We found out yesterday just in a weekend the amount of things that people go through, and that's why we please be patient with people. I've learned even the more after last night. Please be patient with people. Please be patient with people. I, I, I promise you, I, you, you, you it, it's a couple that was there. Their son is, uh, is, 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 has sickle cell extremely bad, and they're at Lori's hospital probably. He's been going through some crisis lately and, and since, they, October. since October. They've been in the hospital maybe 20, 30 days out the month. And parking can be $200 a day. Not a day. That is a stay. A stay. Yeah, not 200 a day. But over a period of time, the, the, just to pay for parking and all these other various things that add up. They have other kids. 
And you don't never know what people are dealing with. What they're going through. What's on their heart. What they going through on yesterday. What happened during the week. You don't know because you come in here smiling. You think you come in here skipping. Baby, everything ain't good. Y'all seen John Henry's post? Y'all was all mad because you're singing to my dream. had no boo, baby. Everything you see on Facebook ain't for real. <laughs> Man, did they cheese it for the camera today? Catch them on the 15th. <laughs> Catch him on the 15th. Come on, come on. Catch him on the 15th. See how many posts you see here. Right. All that stuff started fading away. He said, well, well, you was dancing and having a good time on the 14th. You on the 15th. Amen. So today, um, you know, I, I've learned a lot and grown a lot in those areas to understand people. And you never know what people are dealing with the different challenges. And, and you'll be like, wow, how are you maintaining? And that's why people were looking for real life solutions. Um, you can't just tell people, I'm going to pray for you. That, that ain't enough. Amen. You know, I need something practical. I can maybe implement some yeah. things, uh, some strategies I can try to give me some type of sanity through my process. So today we're going to see, we're going to see King Saul. We're going to see Samuel. We're going to see God. We're going to see David. All these people are going to show some emotional, some mental things that we can gain and we can grow from and that we can mature in. Is that all right? Amen. I gotta, I'm going to try to maintain these scriptures as best I can, but we got to hit three chapters to give you the full scope of this because I want you to see all of it. Is that all right? Amen. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to be in the New King James Version today. I haven't been there in a while. We're going to do New King, New King James Version. All right? So let's start at verse 10. Well, let me give you the backdrop before I get to verse 10 because some of you all may have don't know the story. And I don't want to miss anybody. All right. King Saul has been chosen to be king over Israel, um, over the children of God. And he was given an assignment to go in and destroy everything amongst the Amalekite tribe. Um, because the Amalekites had persecuted uh, the children of Israel as they were coming out of Egypt. And they were responsible for uh, doing harm to God's people. And so God had given King Saul the assignment to go in and kill everything in the Amalekites camp. He said, don't spare anything. He said, kill everything because they have sinned against God and sinned against God's people. And so Saul, in his confidence of being a warrior, in his confidence in being uh, victorious in battle, uh, he took the initiative not to kill everything, but he saved King Agag. He saved the king of the Amalekites. He saved the best of the particular uh, um, cattle and, and various things. He kept those portions, and God found out about it. How do you think he was going to hide this from God? <laughs> I mean, how do we think that when we make this decision and this choice that it's going to be hidden from God and God is giving you instructions on what to kill? Don't you know he knows who's alive and who's dead? <laughs> and so Saul finds himself in a situation where he has been disobedient to God and he has not fulfilled the plan. And so now God sends the man of God, which is Samuel, the prophet of the hour, and he sends uh, Samuel to begin to have a conversation with Saul to begin to address his particular disobedience. Um, but what happened, one of the reasons why uh, Paul, in his mental state, he began to gain not just confidence, but he began to move in a place of pride. And pride entered into his thought process and allowed him to be in a position where he did not obey the plan of God fully. And this was a direct correlation to some of the emotional distress that he had because of one act of disobedience caused him to move into some mental issues, caused him to move him into some anxiety, some pressure, some stress, and then caused him to lose the kingdom based on a choice of one choice of disobedience. So we're going to see how things impact us in our mental state if we're not in a position to understand the fullness of what we should do in obeying God and doing what God needs to do. And we're going to see how this thing plays out. Is that all right? Amen. So now we can pick it up at verse 10 because here's the conversation with Samuel and Saul. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king for, as, for he has turned back from following me. Now, here it is. God has... God is showing his emotions. He says he regretted. That word regret means to, let me get my definition. That word regret means to feel sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened or been done, especially a loss or missed opportunity. So here it is. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I 
greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandment. And it grieved Samuel. So now here we see an emotional place of this decision that Saul made. Now because of his disobedience, Samuel is grieved because now Samuel has to deal with the people who had desired a king. And now God is getting ready to reject the king that has been chosen. And now Samuel's in this position where he has to deal with the people and the process and the pressure and the disappointment. Because at this point, he, he saw that Saul was doing what he needed to do and what he thought was good. But now he's in a position he's disobeyed. So now now the prophet is grieved. He's in an emotional distress based on the king's decision. So sometimes we miss out to understand that the choices and decisions that we make in a mental state that we're in, it affects other people and it can take them on an emotional roller coaster and we may not have even directly done anything but because they've done something and they had influence, it affects the people. So this is why I'm careful on what I choose to do because I have influence in my position of leadership and what I choose to do can affect the masses. We met a couple that was a part of a ministry that we knew about years ago and they said that this ministry fell apart. It's been 16 years since it's gone and he said that there are people still hurting from it. Because of some church hurt, some things that had happened within the leadership years ago. 16 years has gone by. He said some of those people are still hurt. He was a part of the ministry. We came across, we met people that we didn't even, that was in our circle and we didn't even know. But God allowed those relationships to now come to light again. But here it is, and God, and it grieved Samuel. And listen to this, and he cried out to the Lord all night. He's in anguish. He doesn't know what to do. He's grieving. He's crying out to God because what are we to do? Here it is. Saul has disobeyed and Saul has put the people of Israel in jeopardy because of his disobedience. Mm -hmm. And so he cries out to God all night long. He goes on and he says in verse 12, so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself and he has gone on around, passed by and gone down to Gilgal. So because he has won the victory, he thinks he's done all he's supposed to do and, and taking out the Amalekites, he's made a monument to celebrate his victory. He's allowed pride to come in and he's erected something to now bring to remembrance of the people and of his own self-accomplishment. He didn't beat the Amalekites by himself, but because he's in the position of being the king, he wants to take all ownership and think that he has done all what he was supposed to do. And so he creates something to now worship or to idolize or to bring forth a certain honor and respect to him. But he doesn't realize that he's been disobedient in God's eyes, but he's prideful in his eyes. And so he's in this position where he has built a monument because he's thought he's done so good. How many of us have patted ourselves on the back a little too hard? It's okay to pat yourself on the back. You did a good job. You know you did well. But I mean, you know, don't, 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 don't just keep this. Pat yourself and keep moving because here it is. You don't want to allow the enemy to come in and set up the, the, the place of pride. And so here it comes in verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul. And Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord. Listen to this. Pay attention because when your mental state is in a place of pride, look at the words that we use. I. Oh, yes. Come on. Yeah. I. Yes. Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And look at how boastful he is, how confident he is. And he thinks that he has done what God has called for him to do. He said in verse 14, here comes that big three-letter word. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they. Wait a minute. It was just I. It was I just a moment ago who won victory. But when I hear the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen, now I've now become an us factor. Right. Now we have a this is us experience. Come on. All of a sudden, my mindset shifts when there's now opportunity for my pride to be challenged. Now I begin to now to conform to this pressure that's coming. 
looking at me and now I'm going to shift blame and I begin to start talking about they. Verse 15, and Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Listen at the words. He said, not our God. He said, to your God. He's talking to Samuel like now God ain't his God. He said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Verse 16, then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. In one, in one trailer, he said, shut up. Because now the prophet has already got the word from God about what he's done. And he don't, and see, Samuel, a soul doesn't know that the prophet knows his business. See, this is why I told you y'all keep hiding from the prophet. Y'all don't want to come around when true prophets come around and people begin to sit back in the back row up under the seat and under the chair. Come on, please don't come down my row. Please, please, please stay up in front. Please stay up in front. Let him not speak. Hurry up. Come on out. Come on out. Come on out. So, so the prophet knows that particular area already, but here it is. Saul didn't know. And here he comes. He says, be quiet. You talking about lying. God has already given me and told me what you've done. And you stand in my face telling me something opposite and contrary because God is not lying to me. I know God's voice. I know what he said to me. I know what he's instructed me in. I know what he told you what you were supposed to do because I told you to do what he said to do. He says, then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. He said, and he said to him, speak on. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you hear the pride of, of Saul? He said, man, what did you say? What did he say? Speak on, brother. Speak it. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> inside joke, inside joke. <laughs> it had to be there last night, a couple of nights ago. Verse 17 says, so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? Notice this, Samuel has picked up on his spirit of pride. He says when you were little, when you were humble, and one translation says when you were insignificant, when you thought of yourself not more highly than you should, when you were in a position of humility, I made you the head over Israel because you were in a position where you didn't have what you got right now, and now you've gotten caught up in what your prestige, what your power, what your authority, what your position has given you, and now you've allowed pride to come in, and now you're in a place where you allowed your particular decisions to be based on your particular mental state because you think you all that. And you made a decision on the people's behalf and you don't realize how you put the people in jeopardy because you were in disobedience. And so now he tells them. He says, so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, so you got to remain humble. He said, were you not the head of the tribe of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? He didn't anoint you as puffed up. He didn't anoint you as thinking he was all that. He anointed you as being humble. He said in verse 18, now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Verse 20, and Saul said to Samuel, here come, here come the three-letter word. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back King Agag, of, of, of the king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people. Isn't it amazing how pride shifts blame? Because pride does not want to take ownership and be responsible for its decisions and its choices because it's looking for an escape route. It's looking for a way out. And so here it is. But the people took the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Notice this again, to sacrifice to the Lord your God. He acted like God ain't his God. He's going to make a decision 
if God wanted to sacrifice something, why would he sacrifice something from the enemy's camp that's already been tainted? See, just be, see, they thought it was good. God wants the best of the offering and he wants the best of your fruit. But here it is. This is an enemy. He said, kill everything in the camp because they came against my people. So what makes you think what you chose is good for God's sacrifice? Because you're in a mental state where you're not understanding the significance of the importance of the decision that you're making because you're making it out of a selfish ambition. You're making it out of a selfish selfish mindset and you want to have it your way. Oh my God. And so he goes and he says in verse 22, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. So he says, God honors obedience better than the sacrifice of a lamb, of an oxen, of anything that can shed the blood to bring forth this particular now uh, atonement to the things of God. He said, I want obedience is better than the sacrifice. He said, I want you to understand obeying my instructions will get you a greater gain than sacrifice any day. Because he says in verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, now let me help you because this is what happens. Because my mental state had got me to a position of I got victory. I thought I did it. Pride came in. And then now I didn't realize that when pride opened up the door, that was a place where I made a decision that was contrary to God's plan. I was disobedient, and now my disobedience has opened up another door that I wasn't even thinking that I was going to be exposed to because I made a disobedient choice. He said, for rebellion, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. He compares rebellion to witchcraft. Because you're in a place, you open yourself up to something you didn't even know you were going to be exposed to. And then he said, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because why? You have rejected the word of the Lord. What? So you mean to tell me, because I rejected the word of the Lord, I rejected the instructions, I rejected the, the particular uh, plan that he told me to do, and, 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 and I got all caught up in myself, now you rejected the word of God. You thought you were just doing your thing, and you was actually doing something that was going to benefit God. Because you said, we were going to sacrifice this to you, God, this is why we spared it. So you trying to play God with God? <laughs> You, you, you can't get over on him. You, you can't run game on God. I mean, you know people that run game, run script, you know, people from the street, you know, run the script. <laughs> Y'all have been saved all your life, you know. <laughs> game, recognized game, you know. You try, baby, you go to the, uh, never mind. <laughs> he said he also has rejected you from being king. Now, here it is. Now, this thing has taken him into an area that he would have never thought he had been in. I had everything. I had the kingship. I had the dominion. I had the influence. I had the authority. I had the position, the power. I had everything in place. He said, so now my one decision, because I was in a mental state to entertain and allow pride to come in, because the enemy showed me something, he tempted me with something, and I responded to it. I keep telling you back in, back in the 40 days in the, back in the 40 days of temptation God, the enemy was trying to tempt Jesus with that pride he said you do this I'll give you all this of the world he said man I ain't got time for that my God own all this what you trying to give me this little portion for I just God own all this already. I'm already I already got this you trying to give me something I already got what am I going to take this stuff from you for he said so <laughs> He has also rejected you from king. He said, now verse 24, then Saul said to Samuel, here comes this false humility. Y'all missing this. Here comes false humility because now it's consequences to your actions. See, people don't realize, I I told you that, let's go back to Shakira and Makira and all of the folks we had that no more drama. They were not thinking about the consequences of burning down the house. They were just looking for justification for their pain in the moment. The justification for your pain in the moment can cost you a lifetime of heartache and pain. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. 
For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Because why? I feared the people why? and obeyed their voice? But you erected a monument for your victory. Now all of a sudden, and you obey their voice? They didn't tell you to put up no monument for what you had, for who you was and what you had done. You did this on your recognition. You did this on your own doing. And now you've turned around. And now because the prophet has exposed you. Yes. Oh, my God. Because the prophet has exposed you through his relationship with Holy Spirit, with the word of God, with the man of God. The man of God comes and says, and, and expose you. Now you're at a place where you want to admit that I have sinned, but I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, the prophet just told you you were disobedient. So now you're going to try to take ownership for it? You can't do it now. He gave you space to tell the truth, but you didn't. Come on. Because now your emotions have got caught up with you because the word of, because now he said that you've been rejected. So now rejection is an emotion that now starts you to act out in ways that you normally don't act. Come on, teach this thing. Because rejection has opened up the door where I don't want to now lose my influence. He said, I obey the voice of the people rather than God. Because now he's in, he's now fearful that he's been rejected as king. He's going to lose dominion. He's going to lose authority. He's going to lose position. He's going to lose his right to do what he's been doing previous. And so now he's concerned because now what rejection does, it tries to hold on to what it's getting ready to lose because it's not, it's, doesn't able, it's not able to handle rejection because I'm in this emotional distressful place that I'm afraid of losing something because I want to hold on to it because I've been rejected. And if I lose this, I might lose something else. If I lose that, I'll lose something else. And so you get into this mindset of holding on to things that actually are hurting you when you should have let them go. This is why people are in abusive relationships because they've been rejected so long and they say, he keeps saying, sorry, I love you. Sorry, I love you. Sorry, I love you. And you keep taking them back and he keeps beating you upside your head. And every time he says sorry, you take them back because now you don't want to be rejected. You think that now he loves you because he keeps telling you that and he says, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do it anymore. And you keep accepting it and now you've been conditioned to think that rejection is okay. So you accept something that's hurting you and thinking that it's right because your mind has feared, it's been filled with fear of rejection. If I lose him, nobody's going to love me anymore. And then what happens when somebody good comes along, you don't want good because I've been used to bad. Y'all missing this. That's why what happens. Oh, man, Jesus. Come on. I'm trying to stay in the book. Come on, you and the Holy Ghost. That's right. This is why. People do people who have been abused in church and they get a good pastor, they don't know how to receive it. They want to stay in bondage to control and manipulation. And once you get free, you can't handle freedom. Because I've been in bondage for so long, it was right to me. So you want me to walk all over you. You want me to tell you that you stink. You want me to tell you that you're nasty. You want me to tell you you ain't about nothing. You want me to tell you this and that. Because that's what they last pastor told you. Baby, that's not my assignment. So you got to know how to understand. To come out of the spirit of fear and rejection, I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to beat you up like the old person. Like the old person did to you. This is a new season, baby. Learn how to accept something better. Learn how to accept something new. Because new is available to you. But you can't hold on to the control manipulation.
verse 25, he said, now therefore, please. The, the, the king is begging now? He said, now therefore, please, let's keep this whole tone changed. Samuel, Samuel, please. Samuel, listen, Samuel. I, 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 can't, I can't lose the kingdom because I, the people love me and, and I like the applause they give me. I, I, I like the way they stroke my ego and I, I like the way they tell me, you preach good today, you preach good today, you sang well today. I, I can't afford not to hear that. And you're trying to separate me from my cheerleading squad. You're trying to separate me. Would you please pardon me? Would you please forgive me? Because I'm stuck in this place. And if I'm not leading, I don't know how to serve because I've never been a servant leader. i got to be in control. I don't know how to submit. Come on, Jesus. Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you for being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. He said, so Samuel said, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. The prophet just burst his bubble. The prophet, the man of God, he said he's given the kingdom to your neighbor and he's better than you. That's, 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 that's hurt right now. You done, you done messed with my stuff. And you done came at my ego. You done came at my particular position of power. And now you're messing with some real stuff now. So now I'm, gonna, I'm in an emotional frenzy. I don't know what to do. My stuff is all over the place. And you told me that he's better than me? Do you, can you imagine how that makes him feel? Can you imagine when you tell your husband that my ex-husband was better than you? Can you imagine how that begins to hurt his, his particular pride? His particular position of trying to serve you? you oh, it's Valentine's Day weekend. I'm trying to keep y'all safe. I just came out of a marriage conference. I'm sorry. I'm just in the vein. tell him he better man you just messed up my whole mindset and now you think I can I can now recover like that overnight so now Saul is in a real bad place he says <laughs> and also the strength of Israel will not lie or relent for he is not a man that he should relent He's talking about that God has done something, he should lie, or something, he should repent. If he said it, he's going to spoke, he's going to make good on it. Verse 30. Then he said, Here we go again. Now he's going to confess again because he's realizing that Samuel is for real. He's serious about this. See, some of y'all think that the words that come forth, that God ain't, that God planned or something. Like God just going to keep, he's going to keep, just, he's just going to keep giving you chance, chance. I have a chance, I have a chance, and he keep telling you, chance, I have a chance, you need to come out of there, don't do that, stop, don't go that way, stop, don't go, he keep, he keep giving you chances to come out, but we're not listening, and we're not hearing, so then verse 30, he said, then he said, I have sinned, again, you already admitted this again, so now you're admitting it again, you said it earlier, he said, after you already been exposed, yet honor me now, please, 
keep begging because I told you in your emotional state you're trying to hold on to your power because you don't want to be rejected because you don't know what it feels like to be isolated you don't know what it feels like to not have nobody love you you don't know what it feels like to have somebody that say they love you and they really don't love you so he's in his mindset his emotions all out of whack he said please he's begging please forgive me listen to this why he said then he said I have sinned yet honor me now please before the elders of my people and before Israel return with me that I may worship the Lord your God because you've gotten concerned about what people don't think so you're going to stay in an emotional dysfunctional relationship because you're afraid that people are going to talk about you Come on, baby we all jacked up we all got some mess in our stuff that we don't know about everything ain't peaches and cream there's some stuff that's jacked up there's some stuff we got some challenges in some stuff we got some areas that I need you Jesus so he says Verse 31, so Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Malachites, here to me. So Agag came cautiously and Agag said, listen to this, surely the bitterness of death is past. He thought compassion was coming because Samuel was coming. He said, surely the bitterness of death has passed. He said, look, I'm about to live now. The word of God has come to Samuel. Samuel unchanged and and he's untalked to God and God unchanged his mind about killing me. Uh Uh-uh. Samuel said, give me your sword, boy. (laughs) Since you were not obedient, now the prophet got to come in and do God's assignment. Y'all missed it Thursday night. I told you that if you don't obey your assignment and doing what God needs you to do, God will have somebody else come in to complete the assignment. You think that you're indisposable to the left, to the left, everything you own in the box to the left. By tomorrow, I'll have another one. I missed y'all know the song because y'all just listened to that last week. Beyonce. I can have another one before tomorrow, baby. Y'all need to understand that. That's the rest. What she was saying? She said, "You ain't, you ain't indisposable. You can like, I can get another one of you by tomorrow. You know who I am? I'm the beehive, Beyonce, baby. So, no. so he's thinking he's indisposable. And hey, guys, said, look, here come Saul, Samuel. Said, man, look, I got to get the sword, and take you out. And he killed him and chopped him up into pieces." Can y'all grace me today? Grace me a little more time? No, I asked. I asked. Just grace me a little more time. I asked. Okay, I got permission. Jump me, jump me real quick. Let's go to go to chapter sixteen and go to verse fourteen. You grace me. I'm 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 it's gonna bless you. Because you, you got to get it. So now, after rejection has come in, mm-hmm. here comes the emotional distress. Because now, when rejection comes, I'm out from under the umbrella of God's grace. Yes. The Spirit of the Lord ain't on me now. Because right. I'm in witchcraft. Yeah. I'm in idolatry, right. but I don't know I'm in witchcraft and idolatry because I don't recognize my rebellion or my disobedience or my pride because I thought that I did what I thought was right. I thought, but I was fearful of the people. I was obeying the people rather than God. Verse 14 now, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. So when one spirit leaves, here come another. See, when, I, when God's spirit leaves, here comes an open door for the enemy to come in. So God says, since you ain't going to do right by my true spirit, I'm going to send a distressing spirit. Because it says it's from the Lord to trouble him. Because listen at this. Y'all missing this part. The Holy Spirit, well, God sends this, this troubling spirit because he's going, he's trying to get Saul to humble himself. Right. See, God ain't going to humble you. You got to humble yourself. The Bible says you have to humble yourself. God's not going to humble you. You have to humble yourself. So then conditions and particular elements of environment will begin to come conducive to try to help you to humble yourself. 
So now this distressing spirit comes. And now, oh, how many times do you hear when people say, this was a humbling experience when sickness comes, when accident comes, when tragedy comes. This was a humbling experience. I know what this means like. I know what this feels like. I know what it is now. Because I was taking things for granted in this particular place. I thought I had it all together. But now something comes to humble you. So, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, distress is, because now distress is an emotional consequence. It's an emotional thing that's going on because of what the decisions he's chosen, chosen to make. Distress is extreme anxiety, sorrow, or pain. To his distress, he saw, well, there was a sentence with that, but extreme anxiety, sorrow, or pain. Let me, let me give you another definition of distress is. If you are in distress, you are in trouble. Look what the scriptures say. A distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. If you're in distress, you're in trouble. It says you're hurting either physically or mentally. When you, oh my God. To distress means to cause all that pain, suffering, and anxiety. In other words, to stress somebody out. So now, Saul's getting a taste of his own medicine because you're going to stress God out with your disobedience. You know, stress Samuel out with his disobedience. Samuel was crying all night long. He was trying to, he was trying to repent for you. He was trying to intercede for you, but God wasn't hearing it. And see, this is what people miss and don't understand. Somebody's interceding for you. Somebody's praying for you. Somebody's trying to keep you from the hell that you're bringing on your own self. Somebody's trying to protect you from the damage of the decisions that you're trying to make because you're not making clear choices because you're caught up in a mental state that's imbalanced. You're caught up in an emotional rift. You're caught up in an emotional roller coaster, and you don't know what's right because you can't choose right because your eyes and your hearing and you'll see it's flawed it's fogged up listen I gotta get that come on we gotta go 15 and Saul's servant said to him surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you isn't it amazing that other people can recognize what's on you but you can't That was not tongue. That was me. <laughs> here, here it is. You can use the ebony bone. Go ahead. <laughs> Ain't no patent on it, right? Ain't no copyrights on it. So here, listen. He's he's this distressing spirit has come upon him, and his servants recognize. Saul, it's a distressing spirit on you. So they've been around you and, and noticed some things have changed. You're not the same as you were. You're acting different. You're responding different because you're in trouble. You're in distress. You got stress on you. You got anxiety on you. And so here it is. People around you just say, baby, what's, what's, you don't look like yourself today, honey. What's wrong? I'm fine. <laughs> and every time that you go back and every time they ask you how you're doing today, you keep saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. The more you suppress the spirit of distress and it continues to now overtake you because you're not dealing with it. You're not dealing with the issue. You're not dealing with the cause. You're not dealing with the circumstances. And so it continues to fester, it continues to grow. And now it's going to continue to move into other areas of your life. So now listen what happens. So the people recognize and say, sorry, you got a distressing spirit on you, man. You ain't been yourself lately. What's going on? He said, verse 16, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. Now here it is. They coming with a solution for his pain. How many people really trying to help you in your situation? That you call them your friend. Better yet, you call them your boo. You call them your wife. You call them your husband. Now, are they really helping you through your distress? Or are they actually your stress? He said, let our master now command your servant who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player of the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. So here they, they create and they, they said that this is a solution to bring you. But I, this, this is the thing, though. It's a temporary solution, not dealing with the root cause. Right. They only give you something to soothe you over. Right. Yeah, wow. temporary. Put Tem a band-aid on. Put a band-aid on. 
And that's what happens. That's what the enemy tries to do. He gives you some stuff just to get you. Because that's why you keep maintaining in the dysfunction. Because you've just been soothed over. You've been smoothed over. And you've been given just enough that this thing is just going to it's 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 pass. I'm just believing God. It's going to pass. But this ain't gas. <laughs> this is <a> spirit. <laughs> this joke needs to be cast out. Do you hear me? Uh, X-lax is not going to help it. This is spirit. Verse 17. I'm trying to keep you focused. Come on. Come back in. 17. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of his servants asked said, look, I see the son of Jesse. So he goes against uh, David. He brings David in. And David begins to play for him. And he begins to find favor with Saul. And Saul begins to make him his armor bearer. He begins to choose him in that position. Can I, can I drop a, Can I drop one note of wisdom on you? Yes. It's a sidebar. David didn't volunteer to be an armor bearer. He had to be chosen. And if you've been chosen, know that God has anointed you and given you the capability for the assignment. Everybody can't be chosen to be armor bearers. You can't just volunteer into this. The king, Saul, he's still king. He hasn't lost his, his, his throne. His authority, he's still in position. He chose David to be his armor bearer. So we have to understand that. Because some people, we may, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking what you may, you may want to volunteer armor bearer, but you're thinking that it's something, I'm just getting, getting me some water, getting me a towel. It's more than that. It's more than putting my iPad up here. It's more than just, you know, taking care of some things in the office or something like that. It's more than just bringing Pastor Denise her tea. It's an armor bearer. It, it, it could have just said a bearer, but it says an armor, and it's like armor. You need something on to protect you because you need to be in position to now take some blows that will miss the person you're covering. So before it gets to me, it's got to go through him. It's got to go through him. It's got to go through him. That was just a sidebar to give you wisdom because some people think that it's, it's, it's easy and capable. I can do it. Everybody keeps telling me, I can, I can, they got to me today. You make it look so easy doing them ships. Yeah, I've been doing it 14 years. And they tell me, I can do that. Okay, do it when it's 40 below and do it when it's 110. And then come back and talk to me. When it's snowing around, you got to pull a cart through the snow. When, you, when your stuff fall over in the water and the box is all muddy and wet, it's an happy to when you get in the truck and all the boxes are tipped over, you gotta pick them all up. Come on. And put them back in order. Come and talk to me. It's easy. You ain't this. This is light. This is nothing. Okay. <laughs> when the Middle Eastern cussing you out in, in, in Middle Eastern name. And like, <laughs> what you say now? <laughs> Speaking <laughs> Stay in the book, y'all. That was just a sidebar. Come on, jump over. Can, jump. Hold on. Don't get too far. I can't go in there and do your job. I can't go in there and NICOR and do no, all that stuff Tony do with the meters and pipes and pressure. Pressure? What is that? How you read that meter? What that say? I've been on blue something up. <laughs> It's easy. It's just numbers. No, baby, them numbers mean something different than one, two, three. <laughs> so listen. We can close it out. Jump to 18. We'll be right there. Y'all grace me with a good time. I'm thank you. Appreciate you. Y'all a good class today. So here it is. David has been put in a position of armor bearer. He now gains closeness to Saul because he's actually about he's been anointed king after we get to we get to 18 he's already been anointed king Saul don't know this but now David's already in position to be he's in actual training yes. to be king and, 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 and because Saul has come in fellowship and he likes him He's he's, 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 he's he's being trained. He's training up his his his, his replacement. Yes. And then David gains and builds a relationship with Jonathan. 
Saul's son. They begin to build a soul tie. Jonathan gives him his robe after the battle when he defeated uh, the Philistine, Goliath. And so now, here it is. They coming back. All these people. I don't want to go ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, we're right. I'm in the right vein. So here it is. They got all this attitude because when they came back from the battle, the women. Because me and we got ego, y'all. I mean, we got ego. When y'all, when, when, when y'all, when y'all, when, when we hit that shot and y'all cheering, that chilling, that, yes, go Johnny. They be like, yeah, girl. <laughs> See, we, we like that. We like that. That's ego. So here it is. The women start singing this song. David has slain his 10,000. Saw his thousand. Now he's in distress because anxiety, all these spirits and things he's dealing with because he's made choices, his emotions are out of whack. So now here it is another attack on his pride. So he becomes angry at David because of what somebody else said about David. David didn't do nothing to him directly, but because somebody else said they like David, now he don't like him. Or, you know, somebody's, you know, giving praises to David, now he don't like that. Because he don't, he, 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 he sees what's happening. So let's pick it up at 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the son of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him, took him that day and would not let him go to his, to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. Pay attention. He behaved wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. He was gaining influence right up under Saul's nose. He said, now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet the king Saul with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced, and they said, Saul has slain his thousand, and David his ten thousand. Verse 8. Then Saul was what? Very angry. Here comes his emotions rising up because of what he's heard somebody saying. And see, we get all rised up in our emotions because somebody says something on Facebook. You don't even know these people. And you don't get into a full-blown argument about some comments about somebody living in Alaska. I'm telling you the truth. They live in Alaska and you in here having, I mean, all oh, you here. What? What? No, Michael Jordan better than LeBron. No, LeBron better than Michael Jordan. No, what? What? Come on. Man, come over here. I'll bet you he better. Come on. Where you at? Antarctica. <laughs> Man, I'm in Joliet. What you doing in Antarctica? I can't do nothing with you. He said, then Saul was very angry and saying, and the saying did what? Displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed on the thousand. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? So now, so now, listen, because anger, anger comes. Go back. Can we go back a little bit? Go back to Genesis. Cain and Abel. The Bible says that sin was crouching at the door. Because jealousy came in. Envy came in. And he acted on it. He said, be careful. I'm paraphrasing. God told him, he said, be careful because sin is crouching at the door. And you don't want to respond to it. You don't want to act on it. So here it is. He's angry. He's in this emotional state. And now he's in a place. He said, when he heard this, it displeased him. And now here it is. Listen to what he says. <laughs> he said, now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Now he got eyes on him. Everywhere he go. Dude, what you doing over there? Dude, where you going? Dude, you supposed to be playing for me right now. Why you over there, dude? Dude, I see you. Dude, dude, why, why, what are you, I can put eyes on you. I, I see you. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to take the kingdom. I see you. You're trying to take my spot. I see you, dude. I see you. 
You try to get with me. Uh huh. I'm watching. I got my eyes on. Oh yeah, your head done got all filled up because they saw that David. They said that David. I heard all that stuff. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. I got attitude with you. Yep. Uh huh. I see. I got my eyes on. Now here it is. He done put eyes on David because he's allowed anger and jealousy to rise up. Because these are emotions that are now out of control. They're out of balance. And so now listen what he does. And it happened on the next day. Y'all missing this. Can y'all pay attention? Are y'all following me? This thing blessing my whole life. Look at, look at how. Verse 8. Saul got angry because of the song. And then he, he has an assumption. David never said he was coming for the kingdom. In his anger, we start making assumptions about people because we become fearful and intimidated by some false things that we create in our mind. They want my position on the board. They want my spot. They want my seat. They want my position because I, I, I'm on the school board and I, I'm, I, I, run, I run the trustees and all that stuff. They coming from a spot. I seen the boy over there. I eyed him out. Yeah. He been around town a long time. He trying to take my spot. Because I've been, they said I've been on, I've been on this spot too long. I've been holding it down for the board of education for life. I ain't going nowhere till I die. So here it is. Now what? Listen, he got angry, and now he's put in his mind that David wants his spot. So now he puts his eyes on David moving forward. Now notice this. Pay attention. The next day, here comes the distress. Because anger, jealousy, now here comes the anxiety. Here comes the trouble. Because you're operating in anger, spirits attach itself to other spirits. They keep now moving on. This is how you get these trees when you have these roots and you have these branches. You got these leaves. That stuff just started off, you know, he's a crybaby. Well, why is he a crybaby? What happened that he cries every time somebody says this? What happens if he cries and tells somebody, well, he can't get his way? Hmm. What, what, what's behind that? Because it, it's some underlying things where the roots and the leaves and the branches and all this stuff's come up. So now here comes a distressing spirit because he's opened up all these other spirits because he's emotionally out of balance. He, he, he shouldn't be angry at David. David hasn't done anything to him. He should be jealous of David. David never said he was coming for the kingdom. He put that image in his mind because he's been intimidated by fear of what the people say. Yes. Yes. See, that's why you can't, it, just because if, 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 somebody, if, if, if somebody came here, another pastor came here, and you clap louder for him, and, and so I came from church, you couldn't clap louder for a guest speaker than louder than your own pastor. <laughs> See, y'all ain't been under manipulation. <laughs> that foolish thing. You better not shout louder. <laughs> <laughs> And a guest pastor is in there and you don't shout when your own pastor preaches. I'm, I'm telling you real life stuff. They sit there and they'll tell you after and they get up there and talk about, I said the same thing last week that I was preaching that man. I ain't get no response like that. John, I'm telling the whole truth, baby. You better not shout loud in the building you for your for your uh, your pastor and then guest pastor coming there. You better not. You better hold your peace. And watch the Lord fight your battle. <laughs> he said, and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit of God came upon Saul. And listen to this. He prophesied inside the house. Uh-oh. Sorry. I don't have a mobile number for Chase Sweet Hotel. You see, see? My That's a distressing spirit. <laughs> Prophesied because that's, that's what happened. When you got all this distress on you, you prophesied some stuff that ain't real. Won't he do it? Listen. So now, listen at this. Gifts come without calling and repentance. Gifts and calling come without repentance. So he's angry, jealous, stressful, and he's still gonna prophesy. So he said he prophesied inside the house. Not outside the house. Inside the house. Y'all missing that. So David played music with his hand. See, some of y'all jacked up and you outside prophesying. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. 
David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast a spear for, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. So how you prophesy one moment and try to kill me the next? That's how emotionally unbalanced we can be. We can be in the spirit one moment and then in the flesh and allowing these emotions to dictate to us, to lead us, to guide us because we're all out of whack. And so we have to understand that if I don't get this thing under control, it's going to now kill somebody. And now notice this. It escaped them twice. So Saul tried to kill a joker twice. David escaped it. But notice this. God would not allow the next person to carry out the assignment to be killed. It wasn't going to happen because God's spirit is on David. It ain't on Saul no more. And David is not an enemy. You should have killed Agag, but you saved his life. Now you're in a position trying to save who God's hand is on? I mean, you trying to kill who God's hand is on? You can't do it. <laughs> we get ready to close it. Verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David. What? You tried to kill him. I'm showing you this because this is how the distressing spirit unfolds. This is how the anxiety, the anger, the jealousy, this is how it unfolds because now he's creating these images in his head that are not truth. He now, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he departed from Saul. So Saul afraid of David because God with him? So you mean you're mad at me because God's hands is on my life? You're mad at me because the anointing is flowing in my life? You upset about that? You should be rejoicing because God is using us. He said, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Verse 13, therefore Saul removed him from his presence. Now he got an attitude with his armor bearer. He removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. Now listen, the reason why he put him in the captain over a thousand, he said he was putting him in the, in the, in the, in the harm's way. He wanted him on the battlefield. He said, so if, if anything come up, if, if I didn't kill him with the spear, he might get killed in battle. See, y'all missing this. See, some people try to set you up for failure, and they really try to smile on your face, but they really try to set you up to fall. And that's why you have to be mindful and careful of those that smile and grin and cheese and all oh, skip the doo in your face. Come on, you got to have wisdom. He said, therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him a captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways. I love David because he kept his composure. He, he continued to behave wisely. This man has tried to kill him, but he still kept his particular mental and his emotional state. He didn't allow himself to get all in out of whack and out of place. He said in verse 14, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. He said, because why this joker ain't responding and trying to come back at me and kill me? Because he, he, he understood that vengeance is the Lord's. <laughs> we taught that already. Because you got to understand, you can't render evil for evil. So he said he behaved himself wisely. Then, in verse 15, therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself wisely, he was afraid of him. He became more afraid because he said, wait a minute, isn't it something? Y'all seen the movies. That person is quiet all the time. And you find out them the ones that went crazy. <laughs> he was a straight A student in school, and he was on the—I mean, he was over the Glee Club. <laughs> he had a—he had a—he had a—he had a, a 4.4 GPA. I mean, he was a star athlete. I, I, he was on a chess club. I mean, my God, golly, I don't know why he did that. Why did he do that to that girl? She was innocent. Why did they snap? Because they were operating, behaving wisely under the pressure. You don't know what people may do. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's in their head. And so this was intimidating to Saul. Because he thought that David should have been acting like he was trying to kill him like he had tried to came for him. He said, oh, this joke ain't trying to kill me. He ain't trying to come at me. He's still going to behave wisely because David knows who he serves. David knows that God is his father. He knows that he is he's, that God is watching over him because he's been anointed as king. God's laid hands on him. So now, because the enemy's confused, I told you he gets confused because the Bible said it. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. He throws, you know, if your enemy, get your enemy a glass of water if you're thirsty. 
He said it'll be like heaping coals of fire on their own head. Yeah. See, when they go, you know, though, what they say, you know, when, when they go high, you go low. When they go low, okay. they go high. Okay, thank you. Y'all fix it up on that. Because I want you to get you the wrong information. Because y'all would go out there and do all that stuff. I want you to get in trouble now. Be careful. <laughs> Behave wisely like David. And so because of David's character, it was intimidating Saul, and he became afraid of him. Because he said, I don't know when this joker might come off on me. He calm and cool and collected with me. I don't know what's going to go on. That's the mindset of knowing how to handle your emotions under pressure. Amen. Knowing how to maintain that particular character, that integrity. Knowing who you serve. Knowing that God is in control. Knowing that you're not going to allow yourself to put yourself in a position that's going to destroy what God has for you. Last person, we're closing it out. He said, therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Amen. Close the book. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Praise. So we give God praise for the word of God. I'm telling you, it's amazing how God will begin to show you these particular people in the word of God that have these